everyone, and welcome back to This Is Not About Your Body. I'm your host, Jesse Neeland, and uh, today I am interviewing someone uh, I'm really excited to have on here and tell a little bit about her story. This is Jess Nurse, who is an actress and a writer living in Los Angeles and also a former coaching client and friend, and I'm really excited to uh, have you on, Jess, and, and get to talk to you. I'm excited to be on. Cool. Um, so I would like to start, I think, just by having you like talk a little bit about yourself um, and your body image, like what that sort of history has been and what you've struggled with in the past. Sure thing. Um, so that, yeah, that's kind of what we talked about in coaching. Um, I... I've definitely had like a really tumultuous relationship with my body and body image um, since I was younger. I think probably starting in third grade. Um, and I, you know, I felt like of me and my two sisters, I'm one of three, um, I was the one who genetically um, on my dad's side uh, definitely like had had more weight on me as a kid um and that was pointed out to me growing up and it created this really difficult relationship with my body and also then with food um and then I I had a, an eating disorder for for most of my life and even saying had is an interesting thing because yeah. you kind of always have it mm -hmm. um but a tumultuous relationship with food, with my body image, with this idea of weight and how to uh, live in a smaller body when I, I genetically was kind of predisposed to having a bigger one. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, and so everyone who is listening, uh, Jess has worked with me. We're not working together now, though, but I do want to... Um, just sort of like bring some attention to the work that we did. So if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about like the uh, most recent tools or or understanding or awareness that you have, because obviously a big part of my work is helping people find the underlying root causes. And those are so unique to each person. Like there are major patterns, obviously, you know, but also each individual has unique underlying root causes. Um, so share if you, if you can, I mean, I sort of like a hard thing to summarize, but what did you discover in that work were your underlying root causes? Like what drove your, um, relationship with your body to be so negative or, or with food to be so, uh, difficult? Yeah, I think, you know, I came into the work with you. I was dealing with a breakup where a lot of my body image issues were coming out and coming out in in full force in a way mm -hmm. that um, was was really difficult. And I I wanted to figure it out with you. And we were talking a lot about worth and the idea of tying one's self worth to body and um, you know, we really tackled a lot of the voices that come in with, um, with body image and the ways that like, the, the thing that you said that's been really incredibly helpful is like, what, what are you outsourcing to your body? Like, what are you outsourcing to the behaviors around your body and the ways in which you're relating to your body. And it was, it, it became this way to, um, to, to, I don't know, it, a lot of the attention got directed to that. And I yeah. think bringing attention to that and the ways in which there was, there were behaviors and safety around that, yeah. um, I think has been like the bulk of the work and really, mm -hmm. really helpful work. So in terms of like underlying root causes, most of us have like pretty major patterns. And then also it can just be like fleeting day-to-day -day different things, you know, details. Uh, one of the major, major patterns that I talk about in the avatars is the self-objectifier pattern, which is basically where you learn that attractiveness and worth are, are more or less synonymous or dependent on each other. So therefore your looks are, um, 
if not informing your value to the world and uh, your your worthiness for having good things, then actually creating it. Therefore, if you lose attractiveness, according to like whatever, you know, normal conventional beauty ideals, um, then you have actually lost value in the world. It's terrifying. It's like a huge, massive, painful, terrifying concept. Um, and so for you, I, I definitely saw that pattern showing up as far as like the attractiveness equals worthiness. Yeah. I feel yeah. like it was almost like textbook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In some ways. Um, what did you think by the way, of the like avatars material, like reading about self-objectifier stuff, did that resonate? It resonated so much. I mean, yeah. just the idea that how I look, how I present in the world is related to my worth and how I'm treated. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that they're that there's control around that, that the things that I want yeah. the most in the world are actually directly related to how I look is yeah. a narrative that has been like so pervasive in my life. Yeah. And that's one of the ones that I think is so difficult because it's both explicit and implicit. Like we believe it on a subconscious level. We also literally are told it, you yeah. know, like there are literal messages just that how you look determines how people will treat you. And that that's okay, that that should just be okay. And uh, therefore it determines like what kind of treatment you deserve. Therefore it's basically your fault if people don't treat you nicely. Like those kinds of messages are intense. They're everywhere. I mean, yeah. I think I think you and I had talked about, I was, <laughs> I was the kind of kid where when I was 12, I would go to the library and I would sneak into the section that had like the cosmopolitans. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. And the covers of those are so insane. It's like, yeah. you know, what position to look sexiest during, you know, yep. or which I was reading at 12. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, what, um, you know, what can you do, you know, 12 makeup hacks to yeah. younger. And I'm, you know, I'm reading that at this age and I'm getting yeah. these messages over and over again that, um, yeah, that, that you have to really put a lot of effort into these things because it matters and that yeah. it's going to get you the results that you want. Yeah. Um, so getting that messaging from, you know, media and getting that messaging from, you know, I had a wonderful mother, a very well-meaning mother, but she's of a different generation. She's of a different country. She grew up in mm -hmm. Trinidad and Tobago. And um, a lot of the messaging that I got from her was was similar. Um, she was also very scared. You know, I'm I'm mixed race, um, and and black. And she uh, she was scared that growing up in America, I would be treated badly as well. And so she gave me a lot of messaging around my image. Um, and how, how I could kind of, you know, assimilate and make myself yeah. look a certain way. And I remember her saying things like, you know, don't give them any extra reasons to treat you badly. And so this correlation became, began forming, this correlation yeah. began forming between how I look, how I present, how I show up in the world for others in order to be treated well. Yeah. And that feels like something that's very difficult to shake even. To yeah. This. So one thing that I always say is like, we, we have body image issues when we place a, a false or excess amount of meaning, significance, um, you know, uh, belief, narrative, <laughs> importance, whatever on our bodies. So you're basically saying that somewhere in you, both explicitly and implicitly, like you learned to correlate being treated well, or even being treated like neutrally, it almost sounds like, like to, to stay safe. Like it was like about avoiding negative experiences, um, not just like, you know, achieving good ones or whatever. Uh, and that that was on you and how you looked. So now we've got this huge importance placed on your body and your appearance. So it's, it's no wonder that that, that would then preoccupy your mind and be really, really, really difficult to shake. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then what I chose to do as well, um, you know, I, I went to college for acting and studied acting and came out here as an actor 
um, there's so much messaging around that and you yeah. are a product and like who you have to be. And so just from all angles, I was essentially being told, Hey, you have to, um, look a certain way. I think safety is like, so key yeah. to have said, you know, to feel safe in the world. And then also to get the things that you want in the world, you yeah. have to, you know, even surpass the, you know, the human level of yeah. <laughs> a certain way. Yeah. So not only is it about staying safe, yeah, being treated with respect or kindness, now it's also about getting the career you want. Yes. Career you want. And then, you know, and then generally romantic. Yeah. Um, yeah. As well. So it get, it's like I'm everything whack a moling all. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is, this is a great example. And one of the reasons I want to do interviews like this is like to demonstrate like all of the different ways that this does show up in a person's story, uh, why it is not so simple to just be like, oh, I'll just like believe in myself and, you know, like feel positively or like love myself through mantras. And, you know, it's so complicated. Like that's a lot of very significant layers stopping you from being able to just see your body as a body. Yeah. Like, it's so much meaning and importance, um, drawing your attention to it. Absolutely. Yeah. It felt like, um, you know, it, it, it's to make family life feel easy to not make mm -hmm. this and worried for me to feel socially yeah. excited, to feel romantically like a prospect, to feel as though, you know, acting wise, I'm fitting into the box that people mm -hmm. want me to fit into. Um, it, it does feel like it's really been across all areas yeah. of my life. Yeah. So before I ask a little more about the career stuff, because I think that's like a, a big thing I, re I really want to dig into, um, talk a little bit about your understanding of the difference between like people will treat you differently based on how you look, right? We know that. We know that there are stereotypes, there are biases, there are hierarchies in place. So how do you hold in your mind as you're doing this healing work, the fact that that is a true thing, but also not actually indicative of anything about you or your worth? Like as you're trying to separate, this is my fault, this is my body's fault from this happens. How do you, how do you hold all that? I think it's really difficult. Of course, um, you know, there's that voice that comes in and says, well, if it's possible for you then why not solve all of your problems this way? You know, you mean if, what, like looking a certain way? Yeah. You know, yeah. If you could expend so much energy in, into this, you know, task of yeah. looking this way. Um, wouldn't that be the easiest thing to do? Wouldn't, you know, but it's yeah. not, it's not, it's so, <laughs> it's so much energy and it's not authentically yeah. me or or who, you know, I, I would rather, um, read a book. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think something that you said in our coaching sessions that was really helpful. I was, um, I was having that voice come in that was saying, oh, there are these things coming up that I feel like, um, this voice comes in and says, well, if you could, if you could just look better for these things, for these events, and, um, you know, I, you had said to me, you could, but then you would be showing up in a way that was potentially not sustainable mm -hmm. and whatever reaction you were getting. I think one, I think one of the things was like a, a date or, yeah, uh, and it was saying, oh, well, whatever reaction you get would then be to this version of you and yeah. maybe it would be positive but then you're setting yourself up to be with someone who's only interested in you because of this manufactured and kind of like yeah uh, all of this kind of energy put into looking a certain way to um yeah and and I think that was really helpful for me to understand that um, there, it is, it is far better to show up authentically and show up in a way that, um, you know, 
with with me doing sustainably what works for me and makes me feel good in my body and to have the reaction to that be great I want this I'm showing up for this whoever that person is that that's the better thing to do than try to fit into this box and try to go to this unsustainable right temporarily temporarily yeah in this body then even if it's positive, even if the person is like, Ooh, I want this, then there's this pressure to show up as that further. Yeah. (laughs) Or if you can't just live with the insecurity for the rest of your life, like, Yeah, yeah. And this is something also that I feel like Cosmo really, really drilled into our heads. Uh, I feel like any, any millennial, uh, people will sort of resonate with this too. If, if you were around during this era, it was basically like how to trick a guy into thinking you're hot. Like that was the whole deal. It was like how to say the right thing, look the right way, you know, pose in the right way, do all these things. Like, because he's not going to be attracted to how you actually look and he's not going to like your personality. So you have to do all this extra work to trick him. And that just seemed normal. Like, yeah, yeah, you just have to sort of pretend to be something you're not because guys don't like what you are. So with that as like the baseline, uh, it really does sort of make sense. You're like, yeah, I should like crash diet into a, a, an unsustainably thin body or put on a full face of makeup or, you know, like present myself in a way that I don't normally for a date. Cause it's like, I have to make the best impression. But what I've seen over and over and over for myself and for clients is that sets people up to feel the most insecure on the other side. They might meet the love of their life, but if they did it while they were crash dieting, mm-hmm. the rest of that relationship, it's always going to eat away at them. Like, they, they preferred me thinner. Like they liked that unsustainable, um, body or they liked the like hyper glam look that I had. And now it's like, they see me in sweatpants and no makeup. It's so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just go on the, the, the first date with no makeup and in the body that actually suits you, like you never have to think about this ever again, but that is in no way what we're taught to do. Yes. Yeah. And that it needs to be about what, you, how you want to show up and what feels good for you and what makes you feel confident separate from, um, these, these messages and these ideas of who you should be and what's attractive. Yeah. And that, you know, as someone who, oh, another kind of rung or, or aspect is that I've, uh, as part-time work, I've been a fitness instructor. Um, Mm. and so to, uh, to figure out like, what's your relationship to fitness that is not related to how you look and makes you feel good in a way that's not about, um, a body, a body that you have to do like so, so, so much more to maintain. Yeah, totally. So yeah, I, 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 that was so helpful for us to talk about is I, I really like strength training and it's something that I've really like enjoyed um, getting into and, and, and it makes me feel good and it's like a fun habit and it's um, makes me feel strong. And there, there are aspects of it that I'm really interested in, but figuring out what the difference is between I'm, I'm working out and I'm exercising to be in a thinner body and I'm working yeah. out and exercising to feel good yeah. in my body. And, the, and that like, it is tricky because yeah. you and I would even talk and I would say, oh, this thing. And you'd be like, so that's kind of bleeding into yeah. territory, <laughs> but you can, you can make yourself feel like it's not, you know, mm-hmm. you getting really in touch with the authentic voices of okay, what am I doing that is about my relationship to myself? And what am I doing that is about fear of how others perceive my body? Yeah. And for the record, this is something that like, will probably always be difficult to untangle, right? Like, anybody who's listening being like, Oh no, I can't tell the difference. Like I have to figure that out. Like you might never know a hundred percent. Like you might always have a little bit of a question. You get into a good exercise routine and, and there's some little teeny little voice in the back of your head going, Ooh, maybe this time you'll lose weight, you know? And you're like, no, that's not what I'm doing this for. Like, it's okay that they're all sort of like mixed up, but it is super important to acknowledge that they're mixed up and to really like take the time to try to find out, um, to try to honor the the version that is you taking care of you and not trying to 
shape yourself into something that other people will accept or respect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay. So I want to talk about this career thing, being an actress in Los Angeles. I mean, I lived in Los Angeles for a little while and I certainly saw the focus, the um, very image focused like culture that is there. Um, t- talk a little bit about more generally your experience. And I'm sure you have like lots of friends who experience this too. Um, what do you think is like a normal impact from that career choice on a person's body image? Like, what do you see being sort of like the average way that that impacts people? I think I'll speak mostly for the women in my life. I think that as a woman in the um, in the entertainment industry, you are asked to think about your body so much more than you would in in any other career, mo- most careers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So higher focus, but do you find that everyone is impacted negatively or can you just actually like, can some people just notice and move on and not have it negatively impact them? Do you think? I know you don't have to have the answer for everyone. I'm just genuinely (laughs) curious what your impressions are. I think, I mean, I don't know one female friend of mine who is an actress who I haven't had a discussion about the negative impacts on Mm. their body image within the industry. I think there are, I definitely have friends who um, maybe that's not as much of the focus um, or, or, or even that it's different aspects of it, you know, that, I have friends who are maybe more concerned with their hair color than their, mm. or that they're more concerned with, um, you know, should I get plastic surgery or not? Or right. um, having friends who, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it definitely, it, it, I know what my, things have been. And I know that for everyone, it might be different, but I think, I think what's interesting is that your, and I, and I say this, you know, kind of hating it as a, as a phrase, but it's definitely been said before. It's you're the product, right. As an Mm. actor, like you are the thing, who you are, what you look like, how you show up, your height, your weight, your hair color, your skin color, all of these things are actually a, important to the job. Like they're- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, it sounds like because of the fact that people are looking for a very specific, I mean, it's a visual art form. They're looking for a specific outcome and therefore everything about you, which if you're hired or not hired or whatever, like are going to impact that. It just, it does have a, it plays a role. I would say something um, totally, totally different, like dynamic, but something similar would show up with the athletes. When I uh, worked as a personal trainer, the athletes who had to do weigh-ins where it was like wrestlers or MMA fighters or whatever, um, you know, these dudes were not walking around being like, oh no, I'm too fat. They just had to get down to a certain weight. It was a requirement to compete at the level that they wanted to. And I saw that mess with people's relationship with their body on, you know, a similar scale. It was just like, how do you have a normal relationship with your body when you literally have to lose like, you know, a a 10th of your body weight every other weekend? Um, So yeah, it it is relevant to your work in a way that most people, even if they feel insecure about how they look, it's not relevant to their daily work. Yes. I think that's a great way to put it is that it's a visual art form and therefore how you show up is. Yeah. Um, and I came out in, I came out to LA in 2012 and I would say that a lot of things were antiquated even back then, you know, in terms of, um, I would, yeah, I would go out for rap stars, girlfriend number two, and the description would be, hot like attractive <laughs> like they oh would, my gosh I always laugh when they put like two descriptors being like attractive like yeah hot, beautiful or like, <laughs> like gorgeous attractive you know, you're like okay we get it like you're really trying to bring that home um but that the that was the first thing that would be lift would mm-hmm. be lifted, um for people who who maybe 
don't know uh, character descriptions go out to uh, agents and managers in order to submit their clients for the roles and the character description is supposed to let the, the agent know who to submit. Um, and so these casting directors will write the descriptions and you know the agent or manager is supposed to submit whoever of their clients fits those descriptions. Um, but these descriptions would be so visually based. They would wow. be about um, you know, exactly the type of look that they were yeah. wanting for this part. Are you saying that that's changed in the last 10 years? I think it's changed a little bit, but I don't think it's changed drastically. People and are just trying to be a little bit more <laughs> nuanced, maybe. <laughs> yeah, a little more nuanced and maybe a little more open. And I think some, um, I think some descriptions have become a lot less about some very, I would say tropes have maybe changed a little bit more, which has been nice to see. Got it. Um, but I, th I think it's still slow. I think there's still, there's still this mantra of, you know, sex sells and like, you know, uh, we want, what do we want to watch? Who do we want to watch? We yeah. want to watch, um, uh, these kind of, of faces and these kind of people. And, and that is disheartening because stories should be about everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your experience. Um, God, there's so many questions I want to ask here. Uh, let me start with being mixed race in Hollywood. How does that impact your experience of like being cast, being um, understood, being represented? Does it? Yeah. Tell me about that. It's, it's definitely something that I've had a really long journey with. Um, I began as an actor feeling, I got a lot of messaging around, I'm, I'm black, I'm light-skinned, I can be put in the category of ethnically ambiguous. And that a lot of people used to say that that was this great thing that I had going for me. Like you can be ethnically ambiguous. And I feel like that um, was a big thing when I, back when I was an actor, I feel like being ethnically ambiguous was like something everybody wanted to be because it was what everybody was casting. Right. And, and to be told that that was this, this pro, like that this would, this plus in my favor. Yeah. And be told by a lot of people that I should lean into that. And so there were ways in which, um, you know, my whole life I had um, straightened my hair. I'd permanently straightened my hair, chemically straightened my hair. Um, and that, you know, people would say that was this thing I should definitely keep doing. And um, hmm. that uh, I should learn various accents that weren't actually my ethnicity um, in order to play those things. Uh, I, I am not... Um, Latinx in any in any sense of the word I've done my 23 and me I'm not at all yeah and yet um there would be people who would say you should you should really yeah. do that if you can you should try to go out for that if you can um and that was a really strange thing in in the beginning of of my acting journey to feel like instinctually I kind of didn't want to shy away from you know my um my authentic uh, body and 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 self and look, um, yeah. but there were there was a lot of messaging around what would get me more work. Yeah, um, and only in the last couple of years have I really, um, you know, I stopped straightening my hair. Um, I uh, have kind of showed up in ways that are embracing my racial identity more. Um, and I see it more clearly when people try to, you know, put me in, in boxes. But I think it's an industry that uh, really feels comfortable talking about 
the visual of a human being in a way that can feel very dehumanizing, you know, is, um, you know, I've had people say things like, oh, well, now that your hair is curly, you're going to book so much commercial work. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, uh, yeah, but just straighten your hair for anything leading lady. Um, Wow. uh, Yeah. And, um, oh, you get so tan in the summer. um, That must uh, change your type. Uh, You know, things that are- Wow, yeah. And you're being told it in a way that's like, oh, we're just talking facts, Mm -hmm. but it's very, it's very dehumanizing. And it really is, um, it's difficult to, yeah, to, to call it out until you really understand what's happening. And I don't think when I first came out to LA, I did have as much awareness over what was making me not feel good about those kind of conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that I'm surprised, of course, but like it is certainly kind of interesting to think that theoretically we've gotten so much more progressive as a culture around so much of this stuff, but that this is still the kinds of conversations being had. Um, like you said, it does move slowly. Yeah. Um, there's also something about that that I'm like, I'm not quite sure how to put my finger on, but it reminds me of being in the fitness industry as well, which again, it was sort of like, you know, the idea that like, oh, we're just talking about facts. It's like, I mean, shows like the, the America's top model was also just talking about facts, but they also definitely dehumanized people and like sent horrible, unhealthy messages, right? Like they were just talking about how, you know, oh, this person is, is bottom heavy and needs to like shrink their thighs to match their upper body and blah, blah, blah. Like yeah, according to some well-established uh, dynamic that these measurements matter, that is just factual, I guess, but also it's like horrible. And we're sort of looking back and now, I think on shows like that and being like, oh, no wonder we all struggled uh, oh with body image. But I feel like in the fitness industry, it was always very much like uh, you just take such a myopic view of a, of body parts, right? Like you just like zoom right in and someone would be like, okay, I don't even need to lose weight, but I do want to like tone up, you know, this butt shelf. I want this butt shelf to be higher, mm-hmm. you know, because I was working with models and, and actors as well. And uh, that's such a weird way to look at bodies. Now I think about it. I'm like, that seemed so normal to be like, yeah. of course, we'll talk about your butt shelf. And uh, you know, you're like, bat wings or your love handles. Like it was all so zoomed in. And the idea was you can manipulate any of those individually and independently of a human person, which sort of can happen sometimes, but also is just so weird. And like what you're talking about, like, can you straighten your hair and then make it curly again and then get more tan and then get less tan? Yeah. You can. Yeah, sure. Sort of. You can Mm -hmm. control all those things, but also like, wow. You're being told that like in order to do this career, you have to have that much of a neutral gaze on yourself. Yeah, You have to see these things as not being associated with um, worth, but there actually is kind of worth messaging around. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think that I've been told very like strange things about my body and my, and my visual representation that have been coded as, oh, this is just a neutral thing because you're an actor, because you're in this visual field, but also have the messaging of, well, in order to be this thing, you know, in order to be the romantic lead, you need to do this. And in order to be on the CW, you need to do this. Sure. In order to, you know, play this kind of role, you need to do this. And I think that that's very hard, I think, for anyone. And my experience was that was incredibly hard as someone who already had like really big body issues. Yeah. So it, it suggests that you not only should be able to manipulate all these factors, but that you should be able to do so without any impact to who you are as a person or how you feel about yourself, which is two completely unrealistic goals for most people, Yes, like separate and unrealistic. Um, one thing that I always thought was super interesting about your particular story in this field 
was talking about like how people type you, how they perceive you um, versus how you sort of perceive yourself. And obviously like racial, you know, presentation certainly plays a role in that. If people are perceiving you as like Latina versus black versus, uh, you know, any number of other things, obviously that is a very weird thing to have like people sort of miss represent you or misunderstand you or whatever. Um, but you've also talked a lot about just sort of like the type of, um, I don't remember how you put it, like tough girl, tough, hot girl, something like that. Yeah. So talk a little bit about how people tend to see you or the ki kinds of roles that you are asked to go out on. It's so strange. Yeah. I, my leather jacket rolls, um, leather I, jacket rolls. I have a leather jacket almost. Exclusively <laughs> <for> I, <laughs> um, yeah, there, there is this kind of tough, tough, hot girl, tough, you know, um, she's Aubrey Plaza-esque and, mm -hmm. um, you know, a little bit sardonic and very, uh, the detective, the, the cop, the, um, the fire person, you know, all yeah. are the things that I go out for a lot. And there, there is this strange thing around that, which is I'm, I'm just a sweetheart. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like a, a, a girl who's got insecurities and sensitivities. And is, you know, really, I think a good listener and a good friend and all of these, you know, I feel very yeah. different personality wise than this thing that people look at and say, oh, you're this because I'm tall, I'm five foot nine because yeah. an athletic and bigger body yeah. build um, because I uh, am, you know, black and there are, are racial kind of tropes around that. Um because of all of these things about how I present, how I walk into a room and the immediate kind of, mm. um, you know, messaging that we've gotten through media about what someone who looks like me, yeah. who, who is that? Um, I think a lot of people will want me to be that in this industry yeah. in a way that I can because I'm an actor. Yeah, yeah. But always feels strange um when it when it comes to manipulating how I look to fit into that yeah yeah and uh since this is a podcast and most people can't see you although we we will have like the the YouTube video I just want to tell everybody that you you are currently wearing like the coziest looking soft white sweater <laughs> and like have pink fingernails and just definitely do not give me a leather jacket vibe right now <laughs> Yeah, this is this is me and my comfy coat. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that I think is something that's so interesting because obviously you're an actor, right? Like the job of an actor is to embody other, you know, people, personas, uh, whatever. Um, but I I also went to acting school. I'm not sure if I talk about this enough that people would know that about me. But um, I went to acting school and I found it so frustrating that people perceived me to be a type that I didn't feel that I was, um, that I don't even know if it frustrated me on a career level. I think it just frustrated me. Well, it did a little bit because people needed me to be ready for like a, an audition at the drop of a hat. So you kind of have to look like you have to like live something close to how people are perceiving you right so it's like if I didn't blow dry my hair which I never did or wore makeup and then I was like given a call at the last minute I'm like shit man I don't look anything like the thing that you're hoping I look like because that's what I did for my headshots and I've like convinced you that that's how I look it's not you know it's like a very frustrating thing for for that reason but also it just felt icky to me because I was always seen as um like sort of a sex pot like because I'm not tall I have big boobs and I'm a brunette. I'm pretty sure that's it. I think that's the only reasons. But literally, it was like, I don't feel like a sex pot. Like, I don't know. I I can, of course, like you're saying, like, I can step into stuff and I can act. But when it's over and over and over and it's always the same thing, it starts to make you question kind of like, like how people see you. You're like, who, who am I? How, am I a sex pot? <laughs> Should I be? 
Yes. Yeah. And you probably had the experience of walking into audition rooms and you're amongst all of these brunette, short, yeah. other vixen-esque yeah. type. And yeah, it, exactly. You and I talked about this a little bit about, I would, I would get called in for, yeah, like a, a ethnically ambiguous model type. Mm. And I never felt like I could land those roles like yeah. it would be a little it, like almost aloof like aloof ethnically ambiguous modely type yeah <laughs> like that's not me yeah. <laughs> so, like the second that like modely gets thrown in mm. I never had the the you know the the stereotypical body of a model and so there was this feeling of oh I if this is how people think that I look and if I could just somehow match what people think that I look like, then I could have success in this thing that I really yeah. want to have success in, yeah. that I want to be a working actor. And it's so difficult to um, know that you might get fewer auditions or fewer bookings when you're yeah showing up in a way that isn't so kind of classically like in a box yeah. and wrapped in a bow, but that do I want to make it my life's work to fit into this box? Yeah. People want me to fit into. And for some people that answer is yes. For mm -hmm. some people the answer is it is worth it to me. It feels sustainable. To totally. Me. This is the thing that I want to do. Um, I, I think that I'm somewhere in between, which is, you know, if, if, if there's an incredible role that like would require me to change some things aesthetically, like I'm willing to do that, yeah. but I don't want to live day in and day out with an obsession around my looks yeah. that, that combats a very real, um, body image, you know, yeah. uh, uh, struggle that I have already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I also think it would be, I mean, obviously this, this is impossible, but it would feel so different. I think if you were going out for jobs that were not like you, but in a variety of ways, yeah. right? Like sometimes you were sent out for soft and sensitive, you know, best friend. And sometimes it was, you know, tough and leather jacket, like, I don't know, cop. And like, it, if it had a wide variety of things that were not you, I think it would sort of end up being kind of balanced because you would be like in the middle, just yourself. Mm -hmm. But when it's always this one sort of projected direction, I think that's when it really gets in your head. Because yeah. now it's like, oh, like, should I be a tougher person? Should I be, you know, like, I hope nobody finds out I don't actually wear this leather jacket in yeah. my normal life. <laughs> yeah, the, the personality aspect of it definitely comes in as well. And I it would always be interesting, like that stuff would come up in our work together. And I would be like, well, this kind of has to do with body image, but maybe not so much. And you were like, it's all related. It's all yeah. related. <laughs> totally. Which is, yeah, energetically, who do I feel like I have to be? And, yeah. and personality-wise, who do I feel like I have to be? And how does it all kind of come back to this root cause of, well, people want this from me yeah. and I have to give them this in uh -huh. order to be valued in the ways that make people feel comfortable, that make sense to people that yeah. they want from me. And that is, that is, yeah, that is the self-objectifier yeah. in, in a nutshell. It is. And it's amazing how that doesn't even have to just be about your appearance, right? Like you, I remember you talking about feeling like you needed to like have more confident body language. And I was like, for what? And you were like, just like, maybe I should. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, I would love if you felt so confident that that happened, of course, but like to put it on, who are you putting this on for? And you're yeah. like, I don't know. Like <laughs> it's this archetype that you're being cast as, and it makes a lot of sense. Yes. Yeah. To be able to move in the world in a way that makes people, I don't know, just this idea that you have control over how people yeah. perceive you. And, and, and in some ways there, there's, yes, there, there is something to um, how you move in the world and, and how people respond to that, of course. Yeah. 
Um, but I think the thing that I'm, you know, trying to learn, trying to really integrate is um, making it less about other people and making it more about me and how yeah. I feel and taking the pressure off yeah. of what I do is for other people to treat me mm -hmm. the way that I want to be treated. Yeah. If people aren't going to treat me well, then thank you. Goodbye. You know, yeah, like, yeah. That's really, um, that, that, that's a really hard thing. I guess for me, that's been a hard thing to let go of is to say, I can just move in the world in a way that feels good for me. And yeah. I have wonderful people in my life who really respond to that. And, and why, why would I want to, um, yeah, why would I want to change who I am if, if, if that's the only thing that's going to make someone treat me? Yeah. Well? Yeah. Yeah. So I think kind of like what we talked about before with, uh, if you were to meet a guy, you know, looking a particular way, becoming who you authentically are, whatever that means, or at least allowing yourself to drop some of the, um, the stuff that you feel like you owe people because that's what they want from you. Yeah. Um, it starts to become a vetting system. And in real life, that's a really excellent thing in your career. It might not be, you know, so it's kind of a complicated thing there, but uh, it does become a vetting system because people who start to see more of the real you are going to actually connect with you a lot deeper. And those are going to be a lot more meaningful of a relationship, which is awesome. Yeah. But probably less people or different people will, will do, do that connection work. Right. Cause lots right. of people out there are just happy to be like, Ooh, yeah, I've projected onto you what I want to see. And I like that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's yeah. kind of a, it's a big untangling process for the self-objectifier. So much. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I had it in my head that, oh, you just have to be like the A plus version of you in every way that you can when you show up in yeah. a, a dating, you know, capacity. And it's about, you know, making sure that like everyone could be attracted to you mm -hmm. and that will be the thing that leads to you finding your person yeah. because you will be you know attractive to everybody and so yeah. that has to do with weight and that has to do with makeup and that has to do with how I do my hair and that has to do mm -hmm. with what clothes I wear and I I you know and I'm not saying that I'm like you know, a thousand percent like yes <laughs> come across the other side of this um because I'm a human who has had, you know, mm -hmm. 30, 30 years of experience of, of, of our society. But, um, but I do think that I've really like valued our conversations around, well, what if fewer people show up, but they're the ones who you can have like this really deep and sustained relationship with. And that yeah. the, person who is interested in um just like the trophy version of you is that's not going to be the sustained relationship the yeah. person who's just like I you know my what do I want to be valued for yeah and maybe that isn't as um isn't as obvious yeah. as if I, if I wanted to be valued for my looks and just my looks alone, and then that gets to be this like, you know, siren call to anybody yeah. and that I can do that. I can put all of that effort yeah. into being that, or I can say, you know, who I am is enough and who I am, you know, separate from all of those things is yeah. what I want to be valued for. And I'm going to really live in, live in the efforts of, just being that, you know? Yeah. I and I think there's something about that that's so important to touch on, which is for the self-objectifier in particular, I think there is this hope that being attractive enough would be satisfying in the way that we like are sort of taught, 
you know, everyone would value us, everyone would love us, and we would have all of these options at our fingertips and we would be happy. But it actually makes it actually makes you pretty freaking lonely. Like it not not only can you never be good enough because, you know, unrealistic ideals and the whole thing just doesn't work. Um, but also it is not a good feeling to be valued only for who how you look. I mean, um, it it feels dehumanizing. Like you said, even if everyone liked it, you're like not left with a, a deep satisfaction that you worked hard to look good. You're kind of left being like, nobody knows me. And the what is unsustainable about it, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I, I always think of that scene in um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel where she like wakes up she cracks the window so that he can wake <laughs> yeah. up in the morning and do the curlers and the makeup and whatever. So that when she so her husband up, never knows, yeah, never knows all of the work that goes into that. And there is a feeling that I have that, um, or have had, you know, I think there was a time in my life where I would do fake eyelashes every, every time I went out to anything important. And, I, you know, was a lot more concerned with makeup and hair and and all of those things. And it became this really heart racing feeling when that I couldn't show up in that way, you know, if if I was having to wash all of that off at night, and if I was out in public, and I didn't have that, and I ran into someone, and all of a sudden, I would be, you know, scared that this thing this value wasn't there anymore and totally yeah times that you know certainly my weight has fluctuated in my life and um the times where you know that's the first thing I think if I haven't seen someone in a long time if if I'm in a in a bigger body at the moment I think oh that they immediately notice that and they are thinking that and they're thinking about that on the mm-hmm. way home saying that to their partner oh she's you yeah. know and I it's so um it's so hard on the psyche like it's so yeah. hard to kind of feel as though you're um keeping all of those things up in in a way that's so related to insecurity. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of people don't necessarily identify um, as having sort of classic body image issues. Like they don't feel like they look in the mirror and beat themselves up or whatever, but how they look occupies a massive chunk of their brain space on a daily basis because they are managing how they look to other people, thinking about how they look to other people, you know, ensuring that they look the right way to have the right value, whatever. Um, So even if they don't like, you know, sit around and, and say mean things to themselves, like that's, that's a body image issue. Like that is an issue because you are um, constantly anxious about what's going on and constantly feel sort of beholden to these rules that you've made for yourself that you have to keep following or something bad will happen. Yes, absolutely. It's exhausting. As a former self-objectifier myself, (laughs) fully recognize how exhausting it is. I also think it's interesting. um, One other thing to touch on that I I sort of heard you mention is the feeling of like obligation. Now, obviously, people in different, you know, various uh, intersections of identity, marginalization, privilege, et cetera, are going to have different issues, right? Like there's different stuff facing different people. Um, And undoubtedly, like having systemic uh, oppression facing you, like if you're in a larger body, or if you're in a body that is, um, you know, uh, considered so non-conventionally attractive that you're you're receiving um, uh, discrimination or, you know, disrespect or whatever on a daily basis, that is very different and, and horrible. However, I have noticed something among people who tend to be a little bit closer to the conventionally attractive side of things, which is that one of the things it's not, it doesn't necessarily come from everyone else. It comes from inside, you know, so that's the big difference, but what they will report is the feeling of obligation. Like, because I'm so close, I sort of owe it to everyone to take the extra little step. And I can't tell you how many conventionally attractive women have told me, I almost wish I were like not quite so close, like, like they see themselves as like, I'm just far away enough that it's exhausting and takes all my energy, but I'm, I'm so close that I can't let it go. Cause it's not like, Oh, whatever. I'm just like, a, you know, totally nowhere near this conventional beauty ideal. So nobody's ever going to expect it from me. Like there's an expectation, a self-generated expectation that you have to do it because you can, Absolutely. or because you're so close. 
Yeah, I relate to that so much. Yeah, the idea that you're um, you're just outside of the category. Right? Yeah, that you're just below it. So why not do that work? Yeah, to be, like right in it. And I've I've felt that. Uh, yeah, definitely within my life, and it's very, um, it's difficult because it's like you do have that, um, you do have that messaging around it, which is just yeah. oh, it's like all you need to do is lose that last mm-hmm. pounds, that last fifteen pounds. That soundbite is like something that's haunted me, like in my <laughs> life, <laughs> like follows me around, and it's just like ah, yes, if it is just fifteen, you know, yeah. And, and it's not, it's, it's why have we made it so, um, it's so specific and it's so untrue yeah. and the work that needs to be done. I mean, I think, um, I think something to acknowledge is like the, the brainwashing of it all and the ways in which we can just actively unbrainwash yeah. ourselves and, you know, I think there was a time in my life where um, something I was doing really actively was I started only following um, like on, on Instagram and on social media, um, only following or not only following, but starting to follow actively people who had my body type mm. and, to, and to not um follow or at least try not to follow you know people who had a body type that was triggering to me in some way yeah yeah the work they were doing in some sort of influencer space had to do with their bodies yeah and that was really helpful was to is to follow you know um Robin Lolly and Ashley Graham and I, I have the privilege of knowing preciously and um you know these women who who are incredibly embodied, but live in these unconventionally, um, uh, you know, gorgeous bodies, but, uh, but not something that I had grown up with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to just kind of, to, am I allowed to swear in the, yeah, yeah, go for it. (laughs) Like unfuck my brain, you know, and try really hard to, um, to see that it, it, yeah, that, that the specific box that we've been told is not, is really just so contrived and, and we have, um, and that, and, and it's not as real or as like, I think we talked about it once where, um, I had a boyfriend in college who, um, one time said, you know, um, your body is like a Greek statue, and that that was one of like the best things that I had ever heard Yeah, as I was living in a curvier body, but to have it be, um, you know, seen as like, ah, oh, yes, of the Renaissance era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what a positive, what an incredible, beautiful thing. Um, and that, that like that, that is just as real of, of a, of a feeling yeah. that you could have about my body of a, of a way of looking at things of yeah. a way of really authentically feeling about, um, someone else's body. And so, yeah, I think, I think the work is, um, the work that's been really helpful for me is to understand that, um, there, yeah, the meaning that we give this type is, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not the real thing and it doesn't have to be the real thing. Yeah. And that's, I think why it's so important, honestly, to have like support and community and connection in a space where that is not being held up as like the one type of body to celebrate, because there are so many people in spaces who don't care about that at all. Mm -hmm. And who also like might prefer something different. And if we're never like supported by that, if we don't have that in our brains and our bodies and our lives, it really starts to feel like that just doesn't exist. So, you know, reading the books of the people who write this kind of liberatory work, um, you know, following the accounts of people who are just out there having bodies, not trying to fit into this ideal, whatever it is, like that stuff matters. And I would say even connecting with people and uh, communities where there's like just a like-minded approach, um, it can it can support your unfucking your brain 
like crazy because we are wired to want to connect to our, you know, sort of greater human tribe. Right. So like the idea that you would just be able to do this work alone and just stop caring, like when you're in that kind of space, that's so high pressure isn't in in, not going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, and it is work. It's like you, you know, to, I, I would say sometimes in our sessions, I would be like, I think of myself as such a body positive person. And yet like we're having these sessions and yeah. I'm seeing all of these holes, <laughs> in my own, like, you know, understanding of it and, yeah. and the growth is long and it's internalized, but it's, it's such important work to be doing. And I'm, I'm really like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I can't say enough how grateful I've been for our work together. Yeah, it's very sweet. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jess. This was amazing. Made me so happy to get to talk to you and and have you share your story. Um, I just want to offer you the opportunity if you want people to look you up or find you, where can they find you? And if you don't, you can say that too. (laughs) Uh, um, I'm on social media as uh, Jess is not a nurse uh, because my last name is nurse, but that is not my profession. So (laughs) Jess is not a nurse and yeah, I, I, I love talking with you. And if anybody is considering coaching with Jesse, it's, it's so like, I, I can't recommend it enough. Oh, amazing. Thank you. Um, and everybody who is listening, thank you so much for being here. Um, you can find me on Instagram as well at Jesse Nealand. You can find me on my website, jessenealand.com. Um, and yeah, I'm so happy to have you listen and I will catch you next week. 